You were made with a loving intention and you're made to realize that intention. Mm. That is to allow the Holy Spirit to help you to see the entirety of your life as it hinges upon the cross. This week's episode of Living Fullness. I'm Stina Constantine, and joining me on the podcast is Father Sean Burns. Each week, you'll hear us chat about a range of topics from virtue to relationships, comments on cultural shifts, and lessons we're learning as we go along. And we are so grateful that you are joining us. So sit back and enjoy being part of a conversation with a couple of friends. Hey, Padre. Hey, Stina. How you doing? Doing good. What's been going on? I am in baby shower mode. Yeah. <laughs> trying to organize a baby shower for a friend, another baby shower cool. for a friend. So just kind of trying to pull everything last yeah, minute yeah, things sure, together, sure, get sure. things get things up get and running it. for the weekend. Nice. What about you? Oh, look, I'm just doing diary work at this point, like literally preparing for next year. Already? Yeah, this place works like six months ahead. <laughs> okay. That's just Fair how enough. it is. Yep. So, I suppose we are almost in November. Yeah. Yeah, just wow. preparing ahead and looking to see what's going on. And, mm-hmm. yep. So yes, where are we up to? We are up to the final part three of our book study, Shattering of Loneliness on Christian Remembrance by Eric Barden. Woo woo. Yep. So we are up to the final two chapters. <laughs> I just realized how long you had to wait for that. <laughs> Sorry. It's <laughs> all right. It's okay. So we are up to chapters five and six. Very cool. All right, so chapters five and six. Chapter five is very Holy Spirit oriented. It's the paraclete, the counselor. Paraclete, by the way, one who comes to one side is what paraclete means oh, in the Greek. Yeah, cool. parakletos, I think it is. Uh, I hope my Greek, I hope my Greek teacher isn't listening. <laughs> but uh, yeah, one who comes to one side. Cool. So uh, he comes to our side and he's there with us. He's, he reassures us. He confirms us. He makes us strong to be witnesses. He uh, inspires us with truth, moves us towards Christ. He is the one who is at our side. Bishop Varden presents him as a heart's companion, the filler of our solitude. And I so like that because it now draws a distinction. He's been, the title of his book is that of Shattering of Loneliness. He's now talking about a distinction between solitude and loneliness. That what is the distinction between solitude and loneliness? In solitude, we have someone with us. That is, although we may be physically on our own in any given space, we are with the Holy Spirit, or rather the Holy Spirit is with us. Mm. He fills our solitude and he also creates community. This is a point we'll touch on a bit later as well, is that not only does he fill our solitude, but he moves us out of ourselves towards others. So uh, he creates community, he creates connection. And between Christians, he is the very source of that connection. Mm. He also picks up a very interesting etymological point. For those of you who are wondering what I just said, etymological is a fancy way of saying the origin of the word. And he takes up the Greek word for truth, which is aletheia. It comes from the Greek word, which stems for memory loss. <laughs> How fitting. Which I think is so incredible. Yeah. So he, he yeah. makes the point that you fix that prefix of a at the beginning of the word, abiotic, means you know, biotic living, abiotic not living. Yeah. So it's lathia or something like that. I can't quite remember the Greek word now that he uses, but the Greek word he uses is to forget by fixing an A there or an A, it's to not forget, yeah. to remember, yeah. right? And in fact, remembering in such a way that forgetfulness is overcome. And he even points out that forgetfulness 
the kind that he's talking about is not just a, oops, I forgot, mm. but rather a forgetfulness which is sometimes purposeful. Mm. A forgetfulness which is, I am allowing this thing, this most important thing to be forgotten. Perhaps because it's advantageous in the short term to forget it. Mm. Perhaps because it, it hurts to remember. But whatever the case, he's making the point that the truth, which the Holy Spirit is the revealer of all truth, that the truth is to remember. And so from his, from what he's trying to say is that it is the Holy Spirit who will help us to remember, that is to understand the truth and understand it in the light of our own pasts. He makes the point that the Spirit is the exact opposite of the river of Leith. It's from a Greek poem, I think written by Virgil, but I could be wrong there. If there's any Greek experts out there, let me know. In the river of Leith, people who had died would go and bathe in that to forget their mortal lives, mm. right? Well, this is the exact opposite of that. The whole point is that when we begin our spiritual lives, when we die to ourselves and we live for the Lord, that does not just make our past disappear. Yeah, erase it. It doesn't erase our past. It reinterprets it in the light of the cross and resurrection. That's the work of the Holy Spirit to help us remember who we are now, even in spite of our past. And in fact, God being God and so glorious and good that he is, he'll take our past and be like, see... <laughs> I was with you all the way. (laughs) Making straight paths out of crooked lines. Yeah, yeah. There's a line that he has on page 115 that jumps out at me. It says something about God's courtesy, the instinct of a gracious visitor who does not wish to trouble his host, careful not to overwhelm by his presence, while nonetheless offering that presence as a gift, a delightful guest. It kind of just paints a picture that I think is probably a little bit more true than what our wounded stories might like to create a picture of. Because I think sometimes we can think of God as a powerful abuser who knocks down doors and Mm. barges his way into our lives and forces us into submission. Mm. But he paints a picture of someone much more gentle, much more considerate, much more caring, nuanced, sensitive, like (laughs) paints a very different picture. Absolutely. So I guess in classic Eric Barden fashion when it comes to this particular book, constantly making us reflect on our own lives and our own, how does this kind of play out in my life? The question that I've been asking is, well, what kind of experiences have influenced the way that I think of God? How have my experiences trained in a way? How have they trained my mind to think of God in a particular way? Particularly if it stands in opposition to this kind of a God who is more of a delightful guest. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. As you rightly say, he is not the God of kicking down doors no. to force. That's not what he is, yeah. right? Yeah. He'll kick down doors to get to yes. us, but he won't kick down doors to force us. Yeah. That's not the point, right? Yeah. yeah. And it's also like we can sometimes think that, well, if this God is so you know gentle and so sensitive, would he actually be as powerful? Will he actually be able to do the things that he wants to do in our uh, lives uh, if he's this gentle version? But when you think about a delightful guest, like if you have someone over who is an absolute delight to have, you don't want them to leave. No, exactly. <laughs> you just exactly. kind of are so wrapped with them. They're like, I wish this could go on. Correct. In a similar kind of fashion, I imagine, with God. Yeah. Like if we viewed him in that kind of sense, we wouldn't ever want to be apart from him anyway. Like no. we'd want right. him to be right. with us all the time. That's called relationship. Yeah, it is. Um, but it's a good, holy, beautiful relationship because yeah. we yeah. can be in a relationship with a kind of person who is unhealthy and yes. have those yes. images that are not helpful for us. But that's not the God. That that's not God. That's not the Lord we know. No, it's not. 
It's also an interesting point on page 115. He says, To be consoling and complete, remembrance in truth has to be shared, drawing us into a shared remembrance, embracing the future and the past. So, yes, our own remembrance is important. That's really important. But also, we have to be able to share that remembrance with others. What he's effectively saying is that the ecclesial life is essential. In other words, church is absolutely essential. One of the things that I point out to my ecclesiology students is that no moral problem can be overcome without the church. We actually need each other. We need the community of the church to help us overcome our moral failings and issues. We need each other's help. That's how we're made, right? So too it is that when we experience the healing of remembrance, we are meant to share that with others. And we're meant to receive that from others as well. Yeah. That's all part of the, the healing and contextualizing of our pasts and our hopes within the story of God. That's all part and parcel of that. And he kind of says at one point too, he says that his own remembrance, as in his own individual remembrance, is limited. Exactly. We actually need each other to remember. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Our ability to remember is completely and totally dependent, first and foremost, on God. But God has willed it such that we can't do this job without each other. We actually need each other. Mm. Our memory will always be deficient if we try to remember in isolation. Yeah. The understanding of who we are always be deficient if we are in isolation from each other. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, this is how like traditions work, right? When one thing is passed on, we actually yeah. need other people yeah, yeah, to yeah, be absolutely. able to pass that on, to receive from absolutely, others. Absolutely, 100%. He also does a little bit of etymology again of the word to be aware. And he sort of draws the distinction about sort of protection and observation that we sort of have this way of speaking about awareness as being aware of something, being protective over something, but also being aware as in observing something. Mm. He sort of combines these two things and says, well, actually, there's something more here than just watching and something more here than just protecting as well. He makes the point that to be aware is not simply to observe. Rather, it's to relinquish being lost in my own thoughts. It's to ascertain that there is a world that's more than just myself, mm. that there's actually something out here that has a claim on me, that I am actually responsible to someone, that I've been called to interact with others, that my own story has an impact on a community that sits outside of myself. In fact, I would say that the awareness of which he is speaking about is the very foundation upon which our mission as church is built. The recognition that outside of ourselves are others whom we are called to be in service of and to be aware of who they are and how who we are will affect them and how they will affect us. Mm. So that again, who we are is not simply defined in isolation, on our own, by ourselves. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, it is always defined in union with others, essentially through the church. Sina, what else did you pick up? So one of the other ones that stood out for me was he talks about desires. And so paraphrasing him from page 134 of the book, he says, our most intimate desires, they make us homesick for a land we have not yet discovered. So I guess for me, this is about remembering that we were also made to be united to God but we were also meant to be in paradise with him. Mm. Like that, it's remembering that that is where 
we were meant to be. So he talks about the kinds of desires that we might have around comfort or to be seen and to be known, that they're actually legitimate desires that we have and they come from a deep longing to be united with God. It just means that some of the ways that we go about trying to get to this place of comfort, this place of ease, this place of being seen and being known, sometimes we go about it by making idols of things that isn't actually being in relationship with God. So it doesn't take us to where we're actually meant for, for that paradise. But he makes the point that those desires themselves that we have are actually legitimate desires. Yeah, yeah. And then he kind of does this thing where he brings us back to something he said very early on that he reminds us again that, you know, we were made in the image of God. And he says this beautiful line on page 135, that fact that we were made in the image of God is like an operating system stamped on our being. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) How brilliant is that? It's like an operating system stamped on our being. (laughs) It's like Windows 95. Yeah. It's as as far as operating system that has a name. I would call it the transcendental properties of being, <laughs> right? The truth, beauty, and goodness. Yes, yes. All yep. bound in unity. Yeah. yeah. And he goes on to say that this is a sense of that vaguely remembering that I am the result of a loving intention and I'm made to realise that intention. And that intention being God who is eternal, making us in his own image, also made us to live eternally. That's beautiful. About a page or two later, he goes on to say that the human condition is defined by tension. <laughs> Because when you have this sense of who you are, you know what your identity is, but you also see the world around you, you're being pulled upwards towards God, but your current human nature also has all of these struggles in the here and now. So it's a tension between the nature and who we're actually called to be. See, this is so important. That point that you made just then about, I am the result of loving intention and I'm made to realise that intention. Mm. How many people walk through the world today thinking that they're a mistake? Yes. Or that they're an accident? Yes. No. Or the fact that there was no intention. No. There was nothing there. There was just nothing. Right, (laughs) right, exactly. It's just not true. You were made with a loving intention and you're made to realise that intention. Mm. That is to allow the Holy Spirit to help you to see the entirety of your life as it hinges upon the cross. There's a great song. And you know that I think it's great when I reference pop Christian Ooh. reference. Ooh. Yeah, it's not your genre. It's not your genre. We know. It's not we my know. genre. <laughs> not at all. But this one's pretty good. It's called The Center of All History. And it's by Stephanie Gretzinger. Yes. You've told us about this one before. Excellent song. The refrain of the whole thing is Jesus is the center of all history. His cross and his resurrection is what everything hinges on. And whether they, I don't know if they're Catholic or not, but whether they pick it up, what they actually get is that our now, our past, our future, it all hinges on that moment. And all of it is to be read in the light of that moment. Just like we read the Old Testament in the light of the New. Yeah. So too our past yeah. is meant to be interpreted in the light of Christ who is with us now today. Yeah. It's... We're made to realise that reality. It's just beautiful. So perhaps to tie this all together, I think I've used the word remembering more times over the last three episodes than I ever have in my entire life, right? There's some permutation of memory or remembering and our lives are marked by all kinds of difficulties and joys. Mm. They're marked by suffering and hardship, sometimes by joy and success, but frequently they're marked by difficulty. 
And each person has their own story of difficulty and hardship. That difficulty and hardship was not what Christ wanted for us or mm. willed for mm. us. He's not out there going, yes, I want you to suffer like that yeah. and I want you to suffer like that and I want yeah. you to suffer like that over there. No, that's not God. But he is the God who went, okay, my creation stuffed up and now there's suffering. I have to go and fix that. And part of fixing it is inviting them to fix it with me. Mm. And that's what this is all about. This mm. is the invitation to recognize how august the human person is, to use a fancy word, but how great, how impressive the human person is that we are called to do this work with him, that we're called to take up our cross, to follow him. And that doesn't just mean to suffer blindly. It means to see, okay, how does this connect me with Jesus? How does this connect me to others? How does this reveal who I am? How do I interpret it in the light of Christ's love for me? How does it reveal part of who I am? That's essentially what this is about, is revealing who we are in the light of our experience and in the light of the reality that we're made in the image and likeness of God. Remembering that there, Eric Varden says that remembering is not just isolated experiences that come up. That's not what remembering is. Remembering is taking our, our past and bringing it into the present of Christ, bringing it into the eternal now of God which opens up a vista mm. of future that was unforeseen beforehand. That's what remembering is. It's taking who we've been, who we are, and placing it in God's hands. It's the challenge of our lives and one that we don't do on our own because we have one who is by our side. We have a Holy Spirit who is here not just to comfort us as much as we call him the comforter. He's there to be by our side as we deal with who we are as we discover who God has made us to be. And as we go through some of the pain that that entails, he's there. We're not on our own. And that life's challenge can be done. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining me for this particular book study, Padre. Thank you. It was it was marvellous. And thank you for such a good recommendation. This yeah. is your recommendation. It was yeah. fantastic. Don't even remember where I came across it. But yeah. Rock glad, on. I'm glad we did this. Yeah, absolutely. Same. We hope you guys have enjoyed this particular book study as well. It's very different to what we've done in the past. Mm. So let us know. Give us some feedback on what, what worked for you. Do we need to go back to what we were doing before? <laughs> yeah, Would you yeah, prefer yeah. something a bit different like this? So let us know. Again, just another plug to our Patreon as well. Um, if you haven't considered becoming a Patreon member, can I invite you to consider praying about whether you mm. are able to financially support this podcast and it being financially viable moving into the future so we are still in need of a few more people to jump on board to make it viable uh, so if that's something that you would be willing to take on board we would be most grateful absolutely so before we finish up this part three of the book study a truth be to your goodness padre uh yes i caught up with uh, father jim mcgee recently oh. and just got to catch he's an older priest in our diocese who's uh, retired and just got to hang out with him for a bit and uh you know listen to him tell stories about you know, when he was a younger priest and Aww. and uh, which is really beautiful really cool just to, to hear the, the the stories of his various battles and victories and defeats and all of that yeah that's a good man how about yourself for me i recently read a book so i was away did a bit did a talk down in albury recently and took the opportunity whilst i was down there to start kind of listening to an audiobook and then i got so hooked on it i had to run over to kmart and buy it <laughs> so <laughs> I was sitting there reading it and I finished it recently. It's called The Happiest Man on Earth. 
by Eddie Yaku. He's a migrant to Australia and he talks about his journey of having escaped Auschwitz and just some of the horrible things that he experienced, but also the extraordinary sense of resilience and hope and fight that he had and some very close friendships that he was able to gain during during his battles and his adaptability when he came yeah, to yeah. Australia as well as a migrant. So really, really beautiful read. Highly recommend. Super affordable, like even at Kmart. So <laughs> just run over and grab it if you can. If you're a fan of autobiographies, yeah, can recommend this one. All right. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Living Fullness. We will catch you again next week. But until then, I love and press. God bless.